You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about Elder Scrolls Legends. Hey, and welcome to Legends Cast, episode number five. We're so happy that you decided to join in and listen and tune in with us. My name is Mark from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm your host. And with me uh, tonight is uh, is my new friend uh, and a special guest that we have on the show, Ian Bits. Ian, thank you so much for joining us. What's going on, man? Uh, not much. I'm doing my normal, uh, Tuesday routine, which is, I haven't left the house and the only thing I've eaten today is pizza bagels. So it's, I'm living the dream here. Pizza bagels. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the, it's maybe not the most nutritious three (laughs) three course meal or three meals in one day. I think technically that there's cheese in there. I don't know if it's actually cheese, but maybe maybe there's a little bit of calcium in there. Yeah, know. it's like plastic. It's like it's like yeah, plastic. it's, it's like, like half cheese, half plastic. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it's it's super good for you though. Um, is Tuesdays is Tuesdays like a stream day? Is that what you're doing all day on Tuesdays? Uh, no, I, I, I my stream hasn't really had a schedule for a while. Uh, I'm taking the day off to try to get my sleep schedule uh, flipped back around because I've been waking up super late uh and that's i keep streaming at like 4 p.m which is not a great time to stream i'd like to stream like four hours earlier than that so i'm just kind of hanging around waiting to waiting for the sun go down and then i'm gonna go to sleep at like get like get like a decent yeah try to it sucks when your your sleep schedule gets thrown all off i work on a job with like really irregular hours and it changes all the time and so uh and, and then plus i always tell myself like hey i can handle a couple of hours after my wife goes to bed to play some video games and then my daughter wakes up in the middle of the night and i lose two and a half hours in the middle of the night <laughs> and before i know it, i've had four hours of sleep and i'm heading into a 10 or 12 hour day and well you know that that's a that's a dangerous dangerous cycle to get yourself into yeah, it's 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 not fun. It's not fun uh, having sleep issues, but uh, it is what it is. Let's let's move on to uh, let's move on to stuff that isn't, isn't <laughs> that isn't about sleep. Something that's yeah. yeah okay yeah sure. Um okay well tell us a little about yourself man. How did you get involved in Elder Scrolls Legends? How did you get involved in this community? Um uh, you know when I interview uh when I interview I've interviewed two people but um when we've had guests who come on the show um you know I think a lot of people want to know hey like what got you into card games in general um you know kind of what's a little bit about your backstory i know a lot of people when they watch streamers they feel kind of a connection to that streamer because it's someone even if they're just lurking that they feel connected to um so help us to get to know you a little bit more what makes ian bits a streamer what makes you a card game player uh sure so i think uh, i'm a little bit unique in that um elder scrolls legends was basically my first major card game that i played besides you know i played hearthstone but i didn't really play it that frequently um i, I know a lot of people who end up getting into these sort of games come from magic or come from Yu-Gi-Oh or pokemon tcg or something like that and i didn't really have that experience uh, i played Yu-Gi-Oh when i was a kid but when we like it was the kind of playing where we didn't know the rules and we just like put all the biggest things in the deck and then uh one person would win every game and then we'd get mad and uh stop playing um, some some people would say that's the best way to play a lot of games <laughs> yeah yeah n- not knowing the rules is is super fun but yeah outside of playing uh Yu-Gi-Oh with friends when i was a kid and playing pokemon tcg with my sister and actually a little bit of the harry potter tcg um mm. i didn't really i didn't really do anything uh, with card games until i started uh playing tessel um i played hearthstone for quite a bit but i never treated that very seriously that was just kind of a casual game uh to just something to do um so i ended up getting into tessel uh around heroes of skyrim's release i played the game back in closed beta um i'd so i'd seen a video by total biscuit uh Okay. May he rest in peace. Uh, he, I used to love his content, and uh, he was doing a video on Elder Scrolls Legends. I was like, "Hey, this looks cool." He, you know, he broke it down really well, and I wanted to give it a try. I ended up getting, I think, I think it was closed beta, or maybe very early open beta. I played it for a little bit, uh, and then kind of put it aside and went back to, you know, just playing Hearthstone once every month or something. Um, 
when it came on Steam, that's when I, I saw it again. I was like, hey, yeah, that was pretty fun when I played it because mostly I'd only done Solo Arena up to that point. Uh, downloaded it on Steam, and then that was right when Heroes of Skyrim, like right around when that was announced and right when drops started. Uh, so I am an original drop baby. Um, I am one of the people who was lucky enough to be around uh, for the original form of drops where the only three things you could get was 1,500 gems, 600 gold, or a legendary you got one of those pretty much every single day. So it was a pretty good time to be a player. Yeah, it was a good time to be a new player. Uh, I got my collection up pretty quickly. um, And at that time, I was spending a lot of times because of Twitch jobs. I was watching a lot of streams. um, The biggest ones being Turquoise Link and Bradford Lee. uh, Sure. And Schwitty as well. Uh, Those were probably the three streams I watched the most of. Um, And, uh, you know, watching... Bradford Lee do the tournaments and stuff like that. I was like, hey, this might be fun because I think some people might know my name because I'm playing in these tournaments every week. Maybe I can start up a stream. And, uh, you know, just because I had everything set up, the only thing you really need to start a stream is like a, you know, $20 microphone and a $20 webcam. And that's, that's, if, if people come, they'll, they don't really care if it's like super high quality at the start. So, uh, yeah, I just started streaming. Uh, I got lucky enough to get a host from Turquoise Link. On my first ever stream, uh, about an oh, hour wow. in, um, for about 600 people, which is amazing. Wow. Uh, yeah, was that nerve-wracking? What was that experience like? That had it was nerve-wracking. It was somewhat nerve-wracking, but the problem was, like, the people in, the people who were talking in chat were people that I already knew, because I was, like, always hanging around streams and talking anyway. So, like, it was sort of like I already everybody there already knew me, and I already knew them. So it was, actually really wasn't that bad. Um it it's the the when it got awkward was when i started streaming consistently and then there were people who like only knew me as a streamer and not as like just some guy who hangs around and talks in the chats and stuff um mm. that that took a little bit to adjust to but initially it actually wasn't that bad um and then on my third stream i got uh, two hosts combined for about a thousand viewers so i i've always considered myself very lucky because i kind of got to skip that little portion of streaming where uh you stream for like one or two viewers and nobody knows you exist uh sure yeah it it's insane that like just because of the generosity of like these two people i got to i got to do that so that's yeah that's that's how i got started streaming uh i I streamed i streamed for two years now almost exactly two years um wow okay that's awesome yep through a couple of jobs um and through a couple of schedules, managed to get partnered uh, about a year ago via Twitch. And yeah, it's uh, we've I've also started doing YouTube content as well. I I did that for a long time, but like once a month basically, I was really inconsistent and I started doing that daily. So yeah, uh, that's that's how I got started. Is basically I watched Bradford Lee, Turquoise Link, and Twitty, and I was like, hey, I might as well do this. Yeah. Now, are you? Uh, do you stream anything but Tessel, or are you pretty exclusively just a Tessel streamer? Uh, whenever I stream anything else, nobody watches. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I've tried a couple of things. I tried streaming Hearthstone for a little bit. I tried streaming. Um, I, I have done some streaming of Underlords, but most of the time it's just stuff I'll stream at the end of the stream just because I want to play it, not necessarily because it's what I'm streaming. Um, I've also done like party games and stuff like that. That's been fun as well. Now, someone who came from a, a place where when I started playing regularly, uh, I, I played when the game first came out, I think very briefly. I heard about it on a Hearthstone podcast. And it was like re-reminded me about that. And I was like, man, that, that I really love Skyrim. And uh, I was bored with Hearthstone. I was like, I'll, I'll try and give this another try and have it a go at it. And that was about the time that Twitch drops were coming out as well. And, you know, that was during a time when there was like double weekends when, you know, you could hit a drop every three hours. And yeah. It was like dropping 600 gold or a legendary that you wanted, you know, every three hours. And, you know, I, I would literally go throughout a weekend and, you know, just one of those weekends, just coming back every couple hours, get a drop. So as somebody who's been on both sides of that, so you've been the person who was observing and getting those drops, participating with the community, those drops helped to draw you into the community. Now as somebody who, when you stream, right, if I go stream another game, people aren't there because there are people who are in my stream exclusively idling just to get drops what is your opinion is, is drops a healthy thing for this game or is it an unhealthy thing because you you've been on both sides of that 
Uh, I think at one point it was unhealthy, yeah. I think it's gotten to the point now because of the way drops are, just because they aren't particularly that that big, that there there aren't as many people, I think, who, who do the idling. Um, so, for example, I was talking about this with somebody... Uh, you back back when drops were a huge thing when you would host somebody say you'd host somebody for 300 viewers just use as an example you'd see that their number would go up by about 200 250 and it would stick there um Mm. because nobody was actually watching the host just automatically takes them to the new person and then they're just there um these days when uh throughout tesla i've seen when, when hosts go off you see pretty much all of the viewers kind of move you kind of scatter it's not you're not seeing the same number of people stick around so yes there there's always going to be drop farmers but i think the number of active viewers is is actually relatively high right now um the big thing is uh even with active viewers so many of the people who are viewers within tesla are also people who are new to twitch because uh i and this was the case for me as well I signed up to Twitch just to get, you know, the drops for the game. I I had never been on Twitch before. I think the only thing I had ever watched was like a Hearthstone tournament once on Twitch. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people who just don't really use the platform and uh, don't really use the chat aspect of it all. It's just like, okay, yeah, this is something to watch. But yeah, I, there is there's ways to tell that there's a lot more active viewers than there used to be. Um, so yeah, I, I think drops are in an okay spot. I think they should probably make them better just because I think there needs to be an option for new players to kind of keep up right now, uh, which is, I think, one of the biggest problems in the game right now is the inability of new players to kind of keep up with the release pace, which is a crazy change considering the way it's been for as long as it is. But Sure, I mean, we uh, would go like six months without hearing a word, and now we're getting four pack expansions a year. Yeah. That's a lot of content to try to keep up with if you want to be even relatively free to play. Yeah, free to play is is oh, and I think the major issue I have with it uh, isn't isn't so much that um, they're, they're releasing this stuff quickly. It's just kind of the way the rarities are are um, distributed. And I know there's a lot of talk about too many legendaries. It's not even I don't even think it's a big deal that there's too many legendaries. I just think the fact that certain mechanics are kind of locked behind legendaries is is a little bit frustrating mm. like the consume mechanic with ill-fated scholar it's like if you want to play consume you're at a disadvantage unless you're playing that legendary the same with wax and wayne you're at a disadvantage if you're not playing rebellion general and that's that's the kind of thing that frustrates me a little bit if those could be made epics and you make the legendaries maybe just like uh not as crucial cards then i think that would be a lot more uh that would be a lot more healthy but like convincing somebody to try wax and wayne which is a really fun deck that's maybe not that good is is tough right now because that's a lot that you have to craft for it yeah i mean even if you were even if they would lower the gem cost of non-unique legendaries you know if epics were 400 non-unique legendaries were eight and and unique legendaries were 1200 to craft um, even if you, you drop, so there's, it's not a big deal when you need that that one legendary. Um, it's always a big deal when you need two sets of three yeah. um, in your deck, and you're looking at a huge amount of uh, of soul gems to be able to save up to be able to craft that deck. And as somebody who, when I came from that that Twitch, I mean, I don't have every card, but if there was a card in the game that I wanted, I don't have any hesitation crafting it either. It's yep. just, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go out and craft every card until I come across a deck that I want to play. I'm excited to play that has a card in it that I don't have, um, which is why I don't have rebellion generals. Cause I haven't really been interested in wax and Wayne. I yep. wanted to play consume. So I have some ill fated scholars instead. And, but you know, as, but I am at a point because I had that base of such an incredible rate of drops early on um, that I've been able to save up. You know, I can go into an expansion, spend what I have, and I can save up. And with the amount of stuff they give out free, I can usually come into, you know, between expansions, save up four or 5,000 gold and buy 40 or 50 packs. Yeah. And But even at that, four expansions a year is a lot of content for me to be able to craft or to get what I need. I think yeah. I'll only be able to keep up free to play for, you know, maybe a year, a year and a half. And it's going to it's gonna dwindle and, and chunk away at my reserve of soul gems and gold um which makes sense like they need to do that i mean obviously they need people like me to spend money on their game yeah well i I think it's something they'll fine-tune over the next couple of expansions um it's definitely something that they need to improve on Uh, i think the biggest deal is not necessarily that 
um, you don't necessarily want to make free to play being um, viable isn't necessarily something that has to exist for a card game. Um, they don't have to be like throwing this stuff at you, so there's no chance they make money. Uh, I think the way I've always saw it is if you can reasonably keep up with a game by buying like one uh, of whatever the set, one bundle of whatever the set is. Like if you can, if you buy a 60 pack bundle for this set, mm-hmm. you should be able to play pretty much whatever you want from it, even if you have to kind of disenchant and enchant to do so. And I think that's the big problem right now is you don't really even get your money from that because the only thing you really want are the legendaries and 60 packs is like seven or eight legendaries, maybe sometimes a lot less than that. Yeah, um, I think so- I opened up 25 and I got one legendary Yes. Packs, so. so you you can see like very little return for your money and that's the kind of thing that's going to keep people from kind of coming back is if you know expansion comes out you spend money on it and you get nothing uh, that's that's the frustration that's that's the danger of the legendaries not so much that it's bad for free to play because if the content base becomes fast even if they kind of figure that stuff out and reduce the number of legendaries it's still going to be really hard for free-to-play players to keep up without, you know, disenchanting stuff and enchanting stuff. And I think that's okay. Uh, if if free-to-play players need to kind of aggressively disenchant to keep up, I, I think that's reasonable um, mm-hmm. from, uh, like, uh, in terms of, like, if they want to have the best decks or the best competitive decks that, you know, you can't make... It, the only way to really make it a really free-to-play game is to not release content that frequently. But it is something they need to fine-tune over the next couple of sets is uh, ways to make it... So you're getting more value out of your money, and maybe so you don't need so many freaking legendaries because, man, there's just way too many legendaries in this set. Yeah, there were a lot of legendaries in this particular set, and a lot of, you know, I even found after um, Alliance War, I mean, I cracked open, I don't know, 50 or 60 packs at Alliance War, and I got a couple of legendaries in those, of course, and I think I crafted one or two that I was interested in. But I didn't even find that many legendaries from that set that I really wanted to have, that I was like yeah. chomping at the bit. And honestly, in the earlier stages of this game, back at like Heroes of Skyrim, um, the cards that you really needed three ups a lot of times were epics. I mean, that yeah. was I remember listening to streamers talking about how important it was. Like oftentimes, if you could craft one legendary, don't craft that legendary. Go craft a set of an epic that you need. Yep. Um, and if you look back at some of those older epics, those are the ones that keep consistently coming back um, yeah. over and over again. The one, the one exception to that was Blue. Uh, Blue was always a nightmare for new players. Like, if you were playing, uh, for example, if I was playing Merrick on stream and somebody was like, oh, hey, would you recommend a budget version of this? Or what what replaces... You, you can't... Like, Daggerfall Mage used to be such a huge part of the game, and Supreme Atromancer mm-hmm. used to be such a huge part of the game that it was just this ridiculous 7200 gem barrier on playing anything that had Blue. Um, yeah, I mean, I started in in Battle Mage, I think, and then uh, transitioned to the Scout deck was the first deck that I worked towards building the Ramp Scout with all yeah. of the legendaries in that. And uh, and Ramp Scout was actually surprisingly not that expensive because no. like the, a lot of the stuff came from the pre-made decks. Like Parthenex was the big finisher, and that came from the pre-made deck. So it's like, oh, it's actually not actually that bad. Yeah, and I think there was a time when you logged on after Here's a Skyrim that they even gave you a pre-made deck. Yeah, because um, that's how I got Alduin was they gave me that deck and that can even be a way. I don't know if they still do that when you're a new player, if they just give you one of the pre-made decks. I think they I think set. they do. I think uh, Tesletics, um I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say who that actually is, but he's made like 47 accounts, but he's doing a, a challenge run to legend where he's trying to like get to legend without getting any packs. And I believe he said he got the ALS companions deck on a new account that he just made. So, OK. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that would be, uh, that would, that's, that's definitely a good thing to do for new players because it gives you something to play with right off the bat, which and something to build off of, which is a really good thing that they do. Yeah. I I think that's maybe a, a solution is to potentially, you know, be more aggressive with how good these, and you can increase the price of them, sure, but it'll be more aggressive with how much is included with the pre made. Say they sold them for 1500, but included like, the, there was a Consume deck that included a full set of Ill-Fated Scholar, or there was a Wax and Wayne deck that included a full set of Rebellion General. I think that's a lot more tenable in terms of like trying to keep up with the, the new mechanics and being able to play that in a reasonable way. 
Mm-hmm. And even if it had two in it, right? And it was yeah. just like, because a lot of times you can get away with running two ofs in some of these decks. And yeah. uh, even if it had a two of of a card that you really needed, because a lot of times they just, they well they all have the one legendary. And often you look at it and you're like, I'm more excited about the rares and the epics that I'm going to get, you know, one or two or three of in this set than in this deck than I am the legendary that's yeah. in this deck. And uh, that's probably not the best place for those premates yeah. to be. Well, that was that was uh that was the case with. The, um, the Skyrim premades is because you you bought those for the epics. There was like staple epics, and there were there and I you know good job on them for doing that because they put in stuff like Leaf Lurker at the time, Manticora, mm-hmm. uh, Earthbone Spinner, Ice Storm, which is like stuff that people needed. So it's like if you need this stuff anyway, you might as well buy the deck, and you're you're gonna get access to this stuff. And it basically buying I think just Alduin and then Parthenex, uh, you could come up with like a legitimate ramp scout deck that could probably take you to legend, which is not really the case with the premades anymore. They're kind of just piles of cards. Yeah, they're not. You know, the consume premade they put out in this one isn't bad, and you know, it's hard to say what can. You know, I think the second month that I played, um, I hit legend on on month two, and. I was kind of surprised at that. I, but at the time, Prophecy Battle Mage was cheap to make and yep. really freaking strong. And it was just like, hey, I mean, I remember CVH was one of the first stream. I was watching CVH and Bradford Lee. Those were like my first streamers. And I remember um, just jumping in in CVH's chat and asking him, like, what should I be doing? And just looking for some advice on, like, what should I even be crafting? Because yeah. I had no idea there was so much out there. And he directed me towards a Battle Mage deck. And, and that deck was like... Like, oh, well, okay, I can make that. Like, that's only, you know, he's like, you can you can get rid of the Daggerfall Mages and play something a little bit more aggressive. And and it let me hit Legend. And that was, you know, really rewarding. It made me want to keep coming back to the game every time I got bored with Hearthstone. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I wasn't as lucky. I saw Bradford Lee play a Pilfer Monk deck, and I'm like, that's good. I can spend all my gems on that. And then three <laughs> Serpentine Stalkers later, I hit Legend, but then the deck just stopped winning. <laughs> Oh, that's that is a bummer. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's not that wasn't the best deck to start off with ever um, to try no, to craft. I still go back to that deck every once in a while. It's it's just so bad. Yeah, I have like a char. I have a CVH deck sitting that I I, I refuse to delete just because it's kind of like my go-to every time I come up against some control decks. I'm like, you know what? I know this deck can, can reliably beat control. I'm just gonna go back to this deck. Um, and you know, it's yeah. a it's a it's a fun deck. So let me ask you this: What have you been playing? We just had the release of Moons of uh, Moons. I keep calling it Moons Over. It would. I feel like that's a better name than Moons of. Um, yeah. We just had the release of Moons of Elsewhere. Um, what two and a half weeks ago, something like that. So what have you been? What are you playing? What are you dabbling with? Um, and uh, what do you? I don't know if you're Legend already this month or not. But if if yeah, not, yeah, what yeah. what got you to Legend this month? Uh, Legend this month was Midrange Tribunal. Um, like a more mid-growth style. There's two there's two kinds of Midrange Tribunal. The other Midrange Tribunal might be the best deck in the game. But the one I was playing was basically just like Sorcerer, but in Tribunal. Um, I've been playing a decent amount of that. Uh, mostly was just refining a list um, to recommend to people because I think it's it's not particularly strong. It's probably something like tier three, tier four, but it is uh, you know it had a lot of new cards. It had it was an archetype that people weren't playing. It used the new monthly too, which was cool. Um, so that's what I ended up playing the most of this month. Since I hit Legend, I've been working on Control. Um, I've been working on, worked on a Control Monk with Wax and Wayne that I've been having good results with. I'm going to keep pushing on that and try it in Empire as well uh, into the next couple of weeks where I'm going to be working on um, potentially just some other Control decks uh, just to try to give good advice to people uh, who I've been talking to who are going to be going up to QuakeCon to try to get a better idea of what I should recommend to them or what uh, maybe they should test against. Uh, so I have, I, I've been playing mostly janky stuff from the new expansion, um, but over the next two weeks I'm probably going to have to buckle down and you know play actual, actual good decks. Mid-range battle mage. That's yeah. That's probably the one. <laughs> yeah, mid, the one. mid BM's one of them. Yeah, that deck is. Let me tell you. I mean, I knew that people were saying Luzra was going to be a good card when Luzra came out, and I was like, eh, I don't know. And it wasn't, and no one was playing it. And then mid-range Battle Mage rolls around, and turn eight, Luzra on one side, Candle Crush on the other, and it's just like it's a swing that's hard to stop. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh, I gotta kill this eight attack giant, but I don't 
kill Luzra, I'm screwed. Like she's just gonna keep getting bigger, and I'm not gonna. Be, she's she's really really a strong card in that deck. Um, and it's been awesome to see the resurgence of some dual Keller um, decks. Um, not seeing just you know tri Keller stuff. Yep. Um, love that about the mid range BM deck. I think it's it's super cool. Uh, yeah, but you can. You can play Elfeek in 75. Like, no, nothing's stopping you. It's It goes best sure. in mid-BM, but I think that's going to become a staple in uh, in both mid and control Tribunal and mid and control Guildsworn as well, which are two decks that I think are going to be Tier 2, Tier 1 throughout this expansion. So uh, I think I think Elfeek was, was very much pushed very hard. Mid-BM is the one that gets to use it the best, mostly because it just shores up mid-BM's control matchup, which was always the biggest mm-hmm. problem with it. Um it, it usually dominated aggro when it was built the correct way, um, but it struggled against you know the yellow removal, which was like javelins, edicts, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this just really shores up that matchup because you know you're adding you're adding just a huge amount of potential threats and threats that are resistant to ice storm and single target removal at the same time is just exactly what they needed to you know take on tribunals. So it it shored it's up fan- their bad matchup. It's a fantastic power spike exactly when mid-range BM needed it. Like, that's when they needed some stats split over two bodies. It was just, it's like the right time in that deck. It, it shores you up until you get to finishing someone off with uh, Arcana or, um, you know, playing, uh, getting you towards a Supreme Atromancer if you're playing one of those. Yeah, you don't see that around too much. I saw people, some people have been messing around with Supreme Atromancer again. Um, so I'm not legend yet. Uh, I've just been sort of tolling around. Um, I, I took time off of legends during Alliance war because, uh, Elder Scrolls blades came out. Um, and then, uh, I'm currently in a master's program and I have a child and I have another child on the way. Um, which means that my life is a little chaotic, a little too yeah. chaotic to play, um, blades and legends and you know, stay up to date on anything else, tabletop gaming and everything else that I love. And so um, I, I had taken a break from it. So I've come back and I'm now trying to get those 30 wins to get all the card backs for the different guilds yeah. um, from Alliance War. So I've churned through all of them and I've now moved on to Guild Sworn. Um, and I've been playing sort of like a mid-rangey on the side of control. Um, it definitely has it has a mid-range potential, um, but it also has a little bit of that top end um with the dragons and so I'm, I'm playing a lot of the dragons in it simply because let's face it dragons are super cool and they've put in some really cool dragons in this um the new legendary yellow dragon uh, and you probably remember his name but i cannot pronounce it it's cal i don't know if it's cal or cal i, I always say it cal because it's easier cal granted Okay, Calgantid. Okay, well, we'll we'll call him Kel for short today. Yeah. Um, and you know the the ability to throw the eight nine with with guard on the board and also summon a blood dragon out of your deck to put a five seven that ignores guards on the board, and then to say, okay, do you really have enough in your hand right now to remove both of these dragons and my support in the same turn? Um, because you're probably leaving some sort of threat on the board for me to work with next round. And I've, I've really enjoyed that card. I thought that was really powerful. A lot of other turn 12s, you're just putting one big boy on the board. And if they have a way to deal with it, you're like, well, what now? In this case, you can you can throw three threats on the board all in the same turn and say, well, what are you going to do? Because now you have to be able to get rid of three things uh, and usually in two different lanes in the support. And I, I've really enjoyed that card. I felt like that's been a really good sort of finish better than I expected it to be. I, I thought I'd put it in my deck and never play it and think it was trash, but I've, I've really enjoyed it in this guild sworn uh, list that I'm running. It's been fun. Yeah. I, I think Cal Granted is, is a really fun card. Um, I think, I think his biggest issue is like, it's sort of the conscription issue. Like if you could only run conscription as a one of, it would have the same problem. It's the, mm. it, it's really better in a 75 card deck because you want like, you know, you don't, you don't, we want dragons from every class, right? You want, you want like as many dragons as you can um, without dipping into the bad ones. So that usually means spreading yourself over three colors. And mm-hmm. that just means like you end up playing Cal Granted and then you're just not, I, I was, I played probably 30 games of uh, a dragon guild sworn deck and maybe saw Cal Granted two times over that entire, over that entire span. It was like, okay, the deck's working, but where's this guy? I wanted to play him. <laughs> Yeah, that's the hard part about the unique legendaries in the 75 card decks is they just get lost. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, you can play over and over again and just never, ever see that card 
Um, and I didn't realize, I honestly didn't realize that so much until we're seeing the resurgence of some dual colors because it's been a long time since you've seen many dual colors being played, except for like aggro token decks, um, that just really want those, those two colors, you know, some crusader and stuff. But now that we're seeing a resurgence of some dual color decks, I'm starting to say, oh man, like that's why I used to play two color decks. Cause it's so much more reliable to get the card that I need. Um, Which is which is always dangerous from a from a design standpoint, and they have had to walk the line with it. I think they've done a good job so far. Is that it, you, the way Alfie Conjurer is maybe an exception to this, but you have to the way to do it is not to power creep. It's not to make cards so good that I want to run 25 less cards just so I'm more likely to draw that card. Like that's a really bad way to balance it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they've done a good job of walking the line and having to walk the line meant that we're trending we we we've trended more towards three color and then Alfik maybe maybe is a little bit too pushed maybe is a little bit of that okay they're they're kind of clearly putting in something that's way above the power curve because it's better in two color here and that's it we'll see how it goes <laughs> i don't know i have i have a lot of opinions on on dual and tricolor <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really interesting because in any other card game that you play, right, the the more competitive deck has less cards. Always. Yep. Always. And yet that hasn't been the case with this game. And that's something that I think is unique about Tessel that, uh, you know, when, when they first announced Tri-Keller with the Marwin expansion, I was like, oh, well, this is great, but these are all joke. They're, they're adding five new joke classes that no one will ever be able to play. Yeah. Was, and then they didn't turn out impression. that way. No. Ended and up being I, crazy. Yeah, they've done a really good, in my opinion, right? I think they've done a really good job of introducing Tri-Kellers. In some ways, it was almost too much. Like, it was almost like, why are these decks so good? They shouldn't be this good, but they are this good. And it was almost annoying that all you ever saw was Tri-Keller now. Because yep. you could just put the tools in the tool belt, and with the regular mana curve, who cares? Um, but I think that they have, they've done it. They're, they're reeling it back in and going another direction. I, I definitely appreciate that. Alfique is a really strong card. Do you think we're going to see the Mana Wraith card, the, the five mana five, five that deletes someone's graveyard comeback now that we are seeing Alfique and a lot of consume mechanics? Uh, I don't think so. Cause I mean, if Alfique was, if Alfique didn't have the text about the storm astronaut, it would still be a really good card just because of the way it's positioned. Uh, six drops are not very strong in this game. Like five drops are significantly stronger than six drops on average. Um, in terms of just like what you're getting for, for your mana cost. And it, just the fact that it plays around any single target removal and ice storm in one card is, is such a huge deal. So it, the Alfik is good because it it's it's a good card, not because it can get a storm metronach sometimes, but just because like the standard version of Alfik is still really good. Um, so I I don't think I don't think Memory Wraith is is the answer. Um, one card I have I have uh, thought about putting in my decks is uh, and if we ever get to the point where Alfik is in every deck is Mechanar's Will. <laughs> Because uh, that's a way to one-for-one one it. That's one of the only ways to one-for-one one in Alfie Conjurer, even the Flame Metronach version, is to uh, steal the guard and then run it into the into the 5-3. Sure. So uh, tell us just real quickly, because we do have – I try to be as as cognizant as I can of the fact that we have some people probably who are new to the game. So tell us just what is Mechanar's Will? What does it do? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mechanar's Will was from the Clockwork City set. It is a five-mana yellow action. Um, you steal a creature from your enemy that has three or less attack, and it gains charge till the end of the turn. So mm. basically the idea is to steal a creature and then attack it into another creature, but that so infrequently actually happens that – uh, Mechanar's Will has been a very bad card for a long time, but it's something I've actually started thinking about with Alfique, uh as a way, because, you know, Tribunals now actually have to start thinking about mid-BMs. That's always a matchup they've dominated, and now mid-BM just, you know, added three insane threats to the end of their curve. Yeah, yeah, really very strong, very strong cards. I think Alfique is probably the card that's getting the most conversation right now. Um, when I was on uh, last episode with um, Bujan, I, I mispronounce his name all all the time. Um, uh, Bujanovation, Bujan. Uh, did you watch Dragon Ball Z? 
No. Uh-uh. Okay, I was gonna say Majin Buu, or just like it, just Buu. Uh, Buu just from from yeah, just Buu and then Genovation. Buu Genovation. Okay. Gen-ovation. So we had talked about some of the cards that are kind of what we felt to be safe craft, a little crafting guide towards this particular set because there are so many legendaries in it, and so we basically said uh, there's only one card that's 100% safe to craft, and that's Outfit Conjurer. Yeah, and I then think that's, I think that's accurate. <laughs> from from there, if you want to play Consume or if you want to play um, Wax and Wayne, there are other cards that you can craft if you want to explore those mechanics that are going to be staples, and there's a lot of them. But out of this set, if you were looking, like, the only card that I look at, if you're not really interested in playing Wax and Wayne, or you're not really interested in experimenting too much with Consume, then you're like, okay, Alfie Conjure is really the only three of Legendary that you need from this set. You yep. could walk away from the rest of it and play most, probably when everything shakes down, let's face it, a strong Consume deck or a strong Wax Wayne deck may not be tier one. Oftentimes, new mechanics aren't until they get a little bit more support in the future. I could definitely be wrong about that, but that is often the case in card games. Um, it takes some time for those cards to find their place. So if you were really in the set looking for this is the the must-have card, Alfie conjures the must-have yeah. card in the set, for sure. Yeah, that's usually the case with mechanics. Uh, the one exception, I think, in the history of this game was Shouts. Shouts were immediately uh, became a, a Tier 1 deck and ended up getting probably three different cards nerfed. Uh, got um, Drain Vitality and Solitaire nerfed directly, and then Parthenax indirectly nerfed because they printed Dragon Aspect. Um, mm. But yeah, Shouts shouts were insane at the when they got released. And I think, I think you're correct. I think, in general, the new mechanics... Uh, they're they're trying not to push them to be um you know tier two or tier one decks immediately um and it's something hopefully they'll improve on is uh, just continuing the support um throughout the uh, throughout the future expansions because that's that's one thing that's kind of been an issue is you you see these mechanics introduced and then dropped off and you know kind of unceremonious ways and hopefully that's that's not the case because i think wax and wayne is probably not going to end up being you know that great of a deck and consume is not going to end up being that great of a deck but the mechanics are super fun to play with so if they can find a nice balance of new stuff to include even just a monthly um uh that would that like a, a monthly that makes it slightly better and or gives it a more defined place then that's a that's something that i think would be a huge improvement but yeah it's 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 weird how it's weird talking about the stuff to craft from this set because it's it, there's a big question is like you have to kind of decide what you want to play before you craft which is mm-hmm. always super awkward when you're uh, like recommending to people who have like a limited amount of dust is like okay well you gotta you gotta figure out if you want to do wax or rain or consume and then you gotta craft these cards because they're necessary for the deck and then yeah so is there any card from this set that's been surprising or disappointing to you? Um, the cards that have been surprising, uh, the, the one for the most part, I'm kind of still on my old opinions. Um, like, I I don't think there's anything I I was hugely, um, incorrect about on either side, uh, with the one exception being, I think discerning thief was a card I was not super high on, but I'm very much a a fan of that one. That's the three mana three, four that pilfer, you draw a card and discard a card. Um, yeah, that's a very strong card. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was good, but I thought the the competition for blue threes was just so much that um, it wasn't going to make it. But the the thing I didn't consider is is tricolor, where I think tribunal and uh, guildsworn the mid range decks there, I think can both use it very very well. So I think that's going to end up being a staple in those decks. That was one uh, that was one I was a bit too low on. Um, aside from that. Uh, I mean, the way I judge cards is always where I think the decks are going to end up, and it's tough to figure out exactly where decks are going to end up right now. There isn't anything that jumps out to me as something that was a big miss besides potentially uh, the Bone Armor OTK deck. Like, that might actually be a thing. Um, but mm. it's it's going to take some time before we kind of figure out what the meta is like. Um, and I, I don't think there's anything that jumps out to me that's been super surprising about this set. Uh, it's kind of similar to Alliance War in that they introduced a bunch of new mechanics and the new mechanics didn't end up working. So we just have kind of like a couple staple cards left over, like, you know, Wiley Kiva and Alfie Conjurer and stuff like that. That's going to, you know, kind of just standard good, but uh, nothing that really shakes up the meta too much. 
So a card that I thought was going to be really good and did not turn out to be as awesome as I thought it was going to be um, was Flame Spear uh, Dragon. Um, and that was one card, that, and that's a four mana, four, five in red. Uh, whenever your opponent summons a creature, this dragon aims at it, and the start of your turn, it does one damage to the creature that it's aiming at. And I thought this was going to be a good card just because I thought, wow, like this puts a pretty big body on the board the turn before you want to drop blood dragon um as it turns out i've played around with it and i do like it especially because there's so many wards in the game right now um i do like it but i don't love it Uh, i thought it was going to be better and i oh go ahead yeah the the big issue is just like any any deck that wants to play it uh play like any deck that wants to play at the pace of that which is like defensive mid-range or threat mid-range um almost all of them are playing yellow now because that's that's guild sworn crusader uh tribunal those are the decks that um exist kind of in that archetype and yellow has just the best four drops you just you have so much so many options to choose from there that flame beer kind of gets pushed out so you're looking at like any deck that has yellow it's kind of you don't consider it unless you're playing a dragon deck and then the other ones even stuff like mid bm manic jack is is kind of a four drop and is uh, a little bit higher upside than flame spear dragon you're already playing the breton conjures and then either lightning bolt or battle mace or something like that so it's it's not a bad card but it's just one that's like it's good not great and good not great cards this late into um uh a the life cycle of a set i guess not necessarily a set but uh the this standard format i guess because we're we are very far into this the power level is very high on cards right now because of how many sets we have access to so good not great stuff is kind of like okay i'm gonna file that away for when they eventually do rotation bring that back out because maybe once some of the better cards are gone like maybe once emperor's blade is gone this is a card you look at um Mm. yeah it's it, it ended up being good not great um just not really enough uh, to justify over the other fours. Sure. Now let me let me ask you this: Are you a fan of the idea of having a rotation? Are you are you one of the folks who you're just against the rotation? What are, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I mean, they have to do rotation eventually. Um, uh, Eternal formats are always kind of hilarious in their brokenness, um, and it's not really avoidable unless you just print no good cards i guess unless you specifically go out of your way to make new mechanics not be very strong then uh it's not really feasible to never do rotations you're gonna have to eventually move through and um the other part of that is adding new features to the game eventually you're gonna get at such a huge amount of you know new keywords and stuff that it becomes impossible for new players to really grasp the game in a reasonable amount of time um and that's another thing rotation helps with so it's it's inevitable um i do understand people who are frustrated with it but i think the people that are frustrated with it are people who are coming from hearthstone hearthstone did a really really dumb thing which is they just didn't give anybody any value from their cards and i think that's just something that uh if tesla is smart about it and gives more value to the cards that are being rotated like gives you you know maybe not full value on the dust but like twice the normal amount of value on the dust um Mm -hmm for a while after the rotation then i think people people just don't want to see their money and time go away for nothing it's not that people don't want a rotation it's that they don't want to see their time and money go away for nothing so as long as bethesda is smart about that i don't think there's a downside to doing rotation it's going to need to happen eventually yeah i mean in any card game you know if you come you don't come from a card game background right it's like there's a couple of things that happen like when you come from a free-to-play background or i paid for this game and this is now a thing like you you function as this is a video game rather than a card game which is a dangerous thing to come into a card game with because if you come from a card game background and you play this you're like this is dirt cheap absolutely dirt cheap like with how good of a card game is just so cheap and then if you come from a card game background you're like yes please rotate my stuff because i know that just makes my game experience better yeah i I know i only stand to benefit and yeah i want a place where i can see all the crazy stupid stuff happen and i want a place where you just don't control it and broken crap happens sure yeah but i want a good playing experience as well 
Yeah, and and that's that's something to kind of keep in mind. It's like this is this is almost strictly a positive thing for the experience, unless the new set brings like some really stupid stuff that is you know entirely broken. Um, I was free to play at the time when Angoro came out in Hearthstone. That was one of their rotations, and that was the most fun I've ever had with a card game. And consistently, the first set of every rotation for Hearthstone is just like the most fun. It's it it is for the rest of the year. That's the best time to play it is right after rotation because it's. Not even just like, okay, there's new cards to play with because they just released a new set. It's you have to go back and look at like a bunch of old cards that weren't good enough that, you know, maybe they're good enough now. And it's it's a really mm-hmm. fun experience. So, yeah, rotation is inevitable. It is very much a good thing. Um, I understand the people who are frustrated with it because this was, I think, in a lot of ways are marketed as, as an alternative to Hearthstone. Um, but they just need to be smart about it and give people more value for the cards that are getting rotated. Yeah, and I, I really do think it is a good I mean, I played Hearthstone. I podcasted about Hearthstone. Um, you know, I was I, I was, you know, not I wasn't like a consistent legend player because of the grind of Hearthstone, which is what drew me to Legends, because I was like, wow, I can play this game. I can hit Legend on a pretty regular basis. I'm not super punished all the time. And I feel like this itch is a part of my brain that I've been wishing Hearthstone would itch for a really long time. And it just never, ever has for me. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I love about Tessel and keeps me coming back to it over any other card game is the fact that it's so incredibly affordable to play. And I've been looking for a card game to itch that place in my brain since Magic the Gathering and haven't found one until Tessel. And honestly, Tessel does it better than Magic ever did. Yeah, um, and... It's it's something that's gonna get better. I think it's it's the worst it's ever been uh, in in the history of Tessel, but that's always been a major strength. Is the new player experience was just naturally really good because uh, it was so much less stingy with the rewards than something like Hearthstone. Like even just the fact that you get both gold and a card every single three wins is like a really mm-hmm. small thing that just adds up so much as you're playing. And as a new player, it's just like almost every one of those cards is going to be a new card because you don't have a big collection. So it's like, cool, I get a new card after every three wins. That's kind of ridiculous. So I think like, I think they're close. I think they need to make some adjustments with uh, like maybe, maybe make leveling up, be more rewarding, maybe make uh, drops a little bit better. But the big thing is I think they probably just need to add gauntlets back because that's what I, that was one of the major things is you had like a, a constructed mode for people to grind with arena style rewards. Uh, and if you're a new player who is just super into the game, like I was, you will blast that shit all weekend. And uh, pardon my French. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here. I oh, you know guys. what? I, I watch your stream and you're doing an incredible job of not swearing. I, I, <laughs> I, I I'm not necessarily for or you know I'm not I'm not necessarily for it on the on this podcast but I've I've watched your stream and you're doing a really good job I just want to take a break and make sure you know that yeah yeah but um yeah so gauntlets are a really good way for new players to just kind of constantly be getting the stream of rewards without being forced to play arena. Um, so I think bringing those back is is going to be awesome, especially with week long events. Uh, so hopefully those will be back soon. I think that's that goes a long way for the new player experience because uh, when there was one of those every weekend, there was like always something is like okay, uh, once a month there's going to be something that like hooks me and I'm going to be able to you know a- actively grind this game to try and get more cards because I like it and I want to keep playing it. So um, yeah, as, when there's less limits on uh, how much you can grind, I think it's way better for new players to kind of make up the the lost ground that they have from not playing the game for the first couple of years. Yeah, sure. I mean, it always sucks when a game punishes you by playing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's why literally why I'm not playing Blades right now. I mean, as I was playing Blades because I was in the early release, I was getting punished for playing the game. Like I, yeah. as I would play, I would stack up chests. Those chests I could not possibly open fast enough for the amount of time that I wanted to play. And so I was like, I was having to throw things away that may have been valuable. So as I'm investing time in the game, they're punishing me because I'm investing time in their game. And I'm like, yeah. No, I don't want to do this. And I've literally never felt that way. I mean, there's been a couple of times that I've hit that mark where you stop getting gold um, because you've hit the, you know, 30 wins or something, whatever it is for the day. And I've hit that a handful of times, but you still get the card. Yeah. And you're like, okay, you're, and you're you still, still and you still get to me. move up the ladder, which has, you know, it doesn't have, you know, a, 
an inherent value, but it has whatever value you apply to ranking up or leveling up if you're still uh, below the level cap, which is something a lot of people forget once they reach the level cap is how much that kind of hooks people back because you do get like some pretty substantial rewards uh, for mm-hmm. leveling up. So you kind of it's 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 an enjoyable thing just to see that that bar go up. So even if you know you're, there's nothing else you're getting for the day, you're at least moving towards like rank 45 where I'm like going to get a legendary. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now let me ask you this: the season rewards. I've noticed they've changed because when I played a couple seasons ago, I I hit legend and I got a set of three of an epic. I hit legend this past month in June and I got three premium versions of an epic. Yeah. Is that is that something new that they changed? Uh, yeah, top one thousand now gets premium copies. So they added that mm. with the card backs. So now there's there's three tiers for the finishes. Is top one thousand is premium. Um, Legend will still get the three copies. Actually, rank one gets the three copies, but Legend top 1,000 Legend will get three premium. Top 100 will get a card back, and then top 10 will also get a card back, but it's a different one. Uh, the top 100 card back really sucks, which is frustrating because I can't get the top 10 one. I just, uh, but it's, I, I just don't. Yeah, uh, I usually don't grind that much. In the one month I did, I got pushed out. I was number seven with uh, like an hour left in the season and got pushed out to number 11, which was. Which is very awful. frustrating. Yeah, that's frustrating because you actually grinded. You know, and the cool part about this game is you can reap the rewards without grinding endless hours in this game. Yeah. Like you can get the rewards. The only way you're not going to get like uh, the only place where you're really going to grind a ton, a ton, a ton of games is if you are trying to reach, you know, that top 25, top 10 legend ranks yeah. um, or even top 100. you got to grind a lot of games for that. And that's where you're going to experience the grind where in games like Hearthstone, you start experiencing that grind about rank 10. Um, yeah. And oh, you're like, sure. oh, my gosh, this is freaking miserable. Um, and I think there is there's just so much more reward for good gameplay and good deck building, which brings me to what I'd like to just talk about for a couple of minutes. Our final point is um, deck building for a new player. I think that the deck building experience in this game is very rewarding. I oftentimes yep. hit legend with a deck that I built on my own. I didn't go anywhere to net deck it. Um, but just so just to get from you, um, what do you look for when you're building a new deck, when you're creating something new? And also, where do you go to find a deck to start with if you want to build something based off of what someone else has? Because I found it difficult to find a good place that's giving you a reliable meta report to show you what decks are good right now. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, it's tough. That's that's that is definitely a big problem is uh, getting bases to work off of, even for established archetypes. Um, if you're like me and you have uh, you were following all the tournaments that were going on, I have all of these Google Sheets saved with uh, like a whole bunch of tournament decks, so I usually just rip them from that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it it can be tough to find bases for decks for sure. Um, you'll see like you'll see people playing them and you'll know certain cards in there, but you'll end up with like 50 out of 75. And how do I fit this out? Um, you can try Legends decks, but uh, I think more frequently it's uh, better to just go into streams or uh, the Discord and ask, hey, does anybody have a list for this? Um, I, I also have the luxury of having you know a lot of people I talk to on Discord who are you know high level players, and I'm like, hey, do you have this that I can look at and you still have this deck that you played a while ago or that sort of thing. So, um, But as far as deck building goes, um, I build decks in uh, a much different way than I used to. I usually just start with a concept or something uh, that I think is good enough to win the game. So like, okay, how am I winning this game? And then build around that aspect. Um, sure, so you're choosing a win condition before you even step in and choosing cards. Yeah, and, and this is this is me being more of a control deck builder now. I was pretty much strictly an aggro player for a very long time, um, and I'm now basically just a control player. Um, but yeah, I basically start with, okay, as a control deck, what is this win condition? Am I trying to grind them out? Am I trying to play towards some combo? Am I trying to you know, flip the tempo at you know turn 11 or 12 or something like that? And then I just build the deck around the ability to do that. So for the most part, uh, it's been building grindy control decks and like, okay, what's the way I win the game? Is it uh, fervor is it you know flesh atronaut combination and then after you get that down you get the minimum amount of draw and you know top end that you need to win the game and then you build the fence it's uh, it's kind of a little bit different for each deck because everybody has different you know resources to work with and everybody's facing a different meta but in general uh it's never a bad idea to just start with your work win condition move outwards mm-hmm. um for new players the big thing i would suggest is to just try not to net deck 
Um, as crazy as that sounds, I know a lot of people think, okay, yeah, play the play the good decks and you'll figure it out. But you know, the, the decks I were playing, I was playing coming up was like Lethal Scout and Pilfer Monk, and it was like, you know, those decks were bad, and it was a really important part of the learning process to learn why those were bad. Like learning mm-hmm. why Knight Talon Lord is not a good card or wasn't a good card was always one of the biggest you know things for new players because you look at that card, and it's like, holy crap, this card's insane. This is the best card ever, and then you figure out why that's not the case. Because they uh, haven't printed Squish or Squish yeah, the Wimpy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the reason. <laughs> yeah, they hadn't print, printed Squish the Wimpy at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. So I, I recommend kind of trying not to net deck uh, until you have a good handle on the game, and then once you get a good handle on the game, go for it. But net decking is very dangerous in this game because Legends decks. Uh, you know, I love great community, wonderful people. There's a lot of really, really bad decks on Legends. A lot decks. of bad decks. It is so <laughs> hard to sort through and find anything decent. Yeah, so that's that's why I would suggest. And it it sucks that there's not like a bigger collection of you know. It, it sucks that like the upvote system on Legends X is like, oh, this is a cool deck rather than this is a good deck. So it's, it, you kind of just have to look for names you recognize. That's why it's if you if you really want to cut out the middleman and you're looking for decks to play, uh, hop into streams. Um, streamers have low enough viewer numbers that uh, even the top streamers, if you have like, hey, could you mind looking at my deck and asking for any improvements? Um, almost always people will say yes to that. Um, it's if 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 you want to like learn if you want specific like deck building stuff like that like I basically always say yes to that if you ask me to play the deck I probably won't but if you just like hey look at my deck got any recommendations like that's fine that's a fun thing to talk about and um sure it's great content for you too right because the entire <laughs> stream is now learning and you're you're getting to talk about legends without necessarily having to be playing legends which is which is great content too yeah so yeah it, it's a it's a helpful community and it's a small enough community that um people know each other so just yeah just go ask people it, it sucks that there's not an easier way to kind of get and i get like base levels for decks or base you know versions of decks but uh, just go ask people because people are always going to want to help in this community. It's it's small enough that we we know we kind of have to you know help each other out. We can't be dicks to each other. There's not enough people here to be dicks to each other because we all know each other. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, the community is still small, which is one of the main reasons that I'm podcasting because uh, you know I was lost in the noise in Hearthstone and and it's not that I'm I mean I, I'm a of a full-time job, I have a career and work. It's not like I'm, I'm not trying to like be a full-time content creator. That's really not my heart or my desire. I just like, I love these games and I want to participate in the community and I want to embrace this aspect of this, of our culture that I really enjoy. Um, and I want to engage with it, but in so many circles, you just get lost in the noise. And one of the yeah. things that I've loved about legends is it is a small community, um, where people do remember you and they are nice because, I mean, it's not just because they have to be either, right? Um, uh, I can't even remember one of the first times I started. I started watching Hearthstone, and I cannot remember the streamer's name, but he uh, he started a he started a Tempo Storm. Um, and oh, Rainad. Yeah, Rainad, and it was like this dude's whole thing. Like his whole thing is just being a jerk to people. Like that's yeah. his, his whole bit is like how mean, how much could I possibly flip out on people? And I'm like this guy. This guy kind of, and at first it was funny, and then it got sad, and then it yeah, got really sad. It that is a very dangerous thing as a streamer to get to get pushed into anything where if, if you get anybody like coming to your stream for a specific emotion, uh, that's that's when you realize, oh crap, I screwed up as a streamer. Yeah, I think that's I, like I got shtick. Yeah, yeah. and that was now. early on. My shtick was drinking on stream and that became something that i was like known for and then there were people who were, like asking when i wasn't drinking i was like okay i gotta kind of stop doing this <laughs> i don't yeah, want right. <laughs> to i don't want to i don't want to be you know known as you know the, he's just the drunk streamer or he or like they're the happy streamer or they're the salty streamer it's yeah, it's really easy it's really easy to hit that point in twitch and it's very dangerous you kind of got to watch it not only is that bad branding but it could also be a horrible lifestyle <laughs> choice uh, at the same yeah. time right something yeah. that you I, well, are not trapped in I've, I've had health issues so i haven't actually drank anything in like five months at this point so it would not be possible for me to do anyway well that's good that you've helped you you recreated yourself before then then yes right? <laughs> so i didn't it, i didn't go down with the ship yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a good thing. Um, you know, so hey, I love that I love that that idea of starting with your win condition, decide how you're going to win. I know for someone like me who I'm not a competitive player, but I do hit legend every month. 
I do have a large collection. Sometimes when I go in to create a deck, even if it's a 75 card deck, I just start pushing on cards that are good. And I'm like hit a hundred cards in no yeah. time. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, what am I, what do I say? It's not so much what should I put in this deck. It's like what shouldn't be in this deck. Yeah. And that is one of the hardest parts about deck building in this game right now because we haven't had a rotation is choosing what should not be in the deck. Yeah. And um, I think you're right. Starting with your win condition, look and say, okay, this is how I plan to win the game. How can I draw to it? How can I get to it? What can I do? And if you're if you're not playing control, which you know that's a lot of there's a lot of mid range going on out there. It's like where are my power spikes? How am I surviving to my power spikes? And then how am I ensuring that my power spike wins me the game? Right. Yep. Am I choosing the right power spike? Is Hannah Dagoff the correct power spike to be choosing here? Um, and how am I going to keep up the pressure and how am I going to survive up to it? And if you're playing aggro, it's like, how how am I going to sustain damage on the board and at the same time not run out of cards? Yeah. Right. That's your aggro. that's your goal with aggro. Aggro is a bit tougher. Uh, aggro, like, they all have the same win condition, obviously. Um, for aggro, I would suggest if you want to build one, uh, the best place to start is, you know, pick a class and decide, okay, what do I, what can I do in this class that I can't do in another class? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of build out from that. Um, for example, I was trying to build Aggro, he- aggro Ebonheart, and uh, the thing I came upon in that is that it was a deck that used Squished Wimpy a lot better than most other classes. So even though Squished Wimpy is not normally an aggro card, that's what I built around, you know, an aggro mm. mid Ebon, and that ended up working relatively well. Um, when I was doing the Tribunal, uh, the idea was, uh, well, Tribunal's easy because it's negation. But um, <laughs> uh, when I was doing the that's Tribunal, a I was good like, card. I can I can put in uh, Tribunal has good one drops that also have very minor consume synergy so I can do that I could throw in like Midnight Trespasser and imbue Dargonian in this that's like something that I think most decks couldn't do like Sorcerer can do that but they don't have the Necromancer to bring it back they also don't have you know stuff like Fervor and Hive Defender which makes it better to go wide so um, for aggro decks because your win condition is always the same with aggro it's beating your opponent's face down but sure. um, if if you're struggling with aggro deck builds I would say just pick a class and figure out what that class is going to do in an aggro uh, deck that other classes are not able to do even if it's even if you don't think it's that good just figure out what they can do that other classes can't do yeah i think that is that's really good advice as well you know figuring is if you're playing and and i will say this if you're starting off an aggro and you're just trying to build a good aggro deck start with two colors i think building an aggro deck effectively with three colors is a lot harder than it is from my experience yeah well than building a two color it's, it's easier once you know more about the game because building an aggro deck in three colors is generally just like putting all of the good cards. So if you're like newer to the game and you don't know what the good cards, like if, you, if you're not like 100% familiar with the card pool and the power level and the meta, then it becomes harder to kind of just pile up everything that's that's really strong. In two color, it's a lot more obvious like what your synergies are and what you can kind of play towards. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's good advice. If you're starting out, um, I, would, I would focus on building the two color decks before the three color. Um, once you get a handle on the game, the three color decks are relatively easy um, to make, aside from the point you brought up, which is you'll get to the point where you put in like 90 cards and it's like, I don't remove any of these. <laughs> I want them all. Please let me have them all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, my big, like if you're playing, just as an example, if you're playing Agra Crusader, you know, for me, the thing that I'm doing that you, that no one else is doing is I never run out of resources. Yeah. Right? Like, always, I'm, I'm always, always getting a full hand. So you have to find a way to not just clear my board, but you got to find a way to flip the board and come back at me because I'm just going to keep filling it up. And, and you're never going to stop me. And that's uh, that's a testament, by the way, to around the Skyrim meta. Is this, this is when Crusader kind of got his identity, and as as we've seen a lot of um, a lot of the problem with uh, tricolor is it kind of squashed any you know your classes didn't really have a, a reason to exist. That's why Crusader kept going is because Crusader always had this niche where Crusaders just all Ulfric's house, Carl. You know, I have all of the draw in the world that an aggro deck could ever want, so I get to jam mm. all that in one deck, and that's maybe something that. Um, could be improved in in future sets if they just release like one more Heroes of Skyrim style and try to define the dual colors a little bit more. Even though like tricolors will play those cards, but you, you can still like you know action with stuff with mage. Like maybe make that a little bit better. You know like uh, stuff with um, uh, what's a good example? I think uh, they, orc they... stuff with warrior. Like oh yeah yeah. Huh. Like just introducing a couple more of that. So yeah, it's. And that's that's a bit of a tough part when you're trying to deck build Um, now is in a lot of cases you end up with decks that look very similar to other decks uh, that also, you know, you end up kind of with the same thing. 
in a bunch of different classes. Um, and that could be that could be a bit frustrating when you're kind of learning. But uh, at the same time, if it works, it works. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, I think that's that's all really, really solid. When I was playing Redoran, my trick was I'm the aggro deck that lives through Ice Storm. Right. <laughs> like I'm going to put beefy enough guys down that when you ice storm, it's not going to matter. So you're going to have to figure out something else to kill to to wipe out my aggro deck. And you're right. Choosing that that thing that is OK, this is the thing I'm going to build around for my aggro deck um, is definitely really great deck building advice. So there's some good deck building advice for mid range aggro control decks um, from Ian Bits. Thank you so much. Um, for joining us we've been on this this for about an hour now um, so i'd love to just wrap it up here so can you tell us uh, how could people get connected with you how can we get onto your stream how can we get to your content how can we get to the decks that you're playing with because i'm sure there's some people out there that love to test out the decks that you're playing sure um so i've, I've been posting decks to my twitter more frequently um you can find me uh, as ian bits on all platforms which is twitch twitter youtube those are the three that i'm mainly on um, obviously if I'm playing a deck on my stream, feel free to ask, and I'm, I'm always happy to provide deck lists and deck codes, and I usually post them at least, uh, once in chat at some point during the VOD, so if you just go through the VOD, you'll, you'll see my deck lists at some point, um, but, yeah, I, I it, anything that, uh, you can search the word Ian Bits on, uh, if you find Ian Bits, it's probably me, so, yep, uh, I do YouTube content daily and do Twitch content, like, mostly daily, so. Awesome. Awesome. Well, if you're trying to get connected with me, one of the best ways is just to do it over the game. Uh, my my name on the game is the 113th lift. That's the 113 lift. The 113 lift. Um, and uh, that's one of the, I don't even really have many friends on the game, so that's one of the best places. I'm off of all social media. I try to be off the grid when it comes to that <laughs> stuff because I hate it. Yeah, I, no, that was that was me until I started doing streaming. I was off. I'm still off Facebook. I'm still not on Facebook or Instagram or any of that stuff. Uh, I, I'm only on uh, only those Twitter. things just because of uh, content creation. I was uh, as a youth pastor, and I still am a pastor, but I was a youth pastor for six years, and so much of my life was consumed with trying to talk to kids on social media and seeing the absolute trash that they make that as soon as <laughs> this is like the worst I was literally with them tonight like right before we recorded I was kayaking and like trying to keep kids from drowning in a lake for like three hours and it's like like the uh, as soon as I was done with that and I was out of working with kids I was like I'm deleting all of this like I hate it I hate it it just depresses me I hate it and I got rid of all of it so you can't find me there um <laughs> but but you can email me so our email is eslegendscast at uh, at gmail.com eslegendscast at gmail.com you can drop us a review on iTunes or whatever you're listening to us on I'm sure and and that's um, uh, really helpful. And then the the last thing um, is if you want to uh, support us on Patreon, you can. I've never used Patreon, and I'm really not about um, making this financially viable. It just it just seems silly not to have something there if you want to support us. If you want to support Legends Cast, um, visit us on Patreon. You just search for Legends Cast, and you can um, you can uh, you know give us money. I guess I don't know. Um, and that'll go towards making making the stream better or making the the, the podcast better. So uh, as we're closing out here, definitely check out Ian Bitch. Check out his stream. Give him a follow. Subscribe to his his stream. I know he can't say that. Probably doesn't want to say that, but I can. I can say go subscribe I'm, to Ian Bitch stream. I'm full sellout mode these days because I'm Just close saying. to new emote slots. So yeah, everybody go come click give the me button. money, please. Go <laughs> click the button. Give me that five dollars. Use that Twitch Prime. I know that you have it. You go and use it. Everyone's giving that guy money for Prime. You 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 come and give Ian bits at five bucks. So go check out his stream. Subscribe to his stream. Check out his YouTube. Uh, subscribe to his YouTube. Click the little bell because I know for some crazy background algorithm that's important. Um, so make sure you get the notification that he's making stuff live as well. Um, and uh, and check him out on Twitter um, where he is and, and make sure you get plugged in with this guy because he's an awesome content creator, um, an awesome person in the community. Um, so make sure that you check him out. Um, that's gonna do it for us here at Legends Cast for this episode. Make Make sure you come back and join us um, next week or the next time that I post an episode because, you know, who knows? Um, I do have another a streamer who's slated to join us. Um, his name is – well, his screen. I can't remember it off the top of my head. It's Jamie something. Um, and oh, a little has, Jamie. He's great. A little Jamie. Yeah, he has a great British voice. Like amazing. <laughs> It'll be the most soothing, soothing episode you could possibly listen to. Um, so a little Jamie's going to be joining me here in the next week or so um, as my next guest, which I'm super excited about. So, hey. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, come back next week. See you guys.
Thanks for listening to Legend Casts, a podcast about Elder Scrolls Legends. If you're looking for more ways to get connected with us and our community, email us at eslegendcasts at gmail.com and be sure to come back for our next episode.